Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day. Hello, friends, and welcome to a very important and timely episode of the Church Leaders Podcast. I am your host, Jason Day, and I had the opportunity to connect with Dr. Kara Powell this week. Kara is the executive director of the Fuller Youth Institute and a faculty member at Fuller Theological Seminary. Kara speaks regularly at parenting and leadership conferences and is the author and co-author of a number of books and resources, including the recently released Faith in an Anxious World. This is a four-week study for youth and their parents. Now, on this week's episode, Kara and I address the degree of anxiety that our youth are experiencing, both generally and even more so during the COVID-19 crisis. Carol walks us through five helpful steps to respond to a young person dealing with anxiety and provides insight into ministering to youth during challenging times. Kara also shares two healthy practices recommended for young people to help them cope with anxiety and stress. Now, these are practical tools you can begin using immediately to help the young people in your home, your church, and your community. So be sure to share these with your team and with other ministry leaders. And now, won't you please join me in my conversation with Dr. Kara Powell. Hello, Kara, and welcome back to the Church Leaders Podcast. So good to have you with us. Oh, it's a pleasure to be with you. And now the world in which we live right now, Kara, is very interesting to say the least. Yeah. And and you have recently released uh, a youth curriculum. It's called Faith in an Anxious World. And we're definitely seeing an anxious world nonstop right now. Um, every time we, you know, jump online or every time we turn on the news or, you know, jump in the car just hearing of um, anxiety and uncertainty around the world because of this pandemic. And in this curriculum, you talk about teens specifically and how they can use unhealthy coping strategies to try to deal with the anxiety that they're experiencing. And and during this time, we know that there are many teens, um, you and I both have teens in our homes that are yeah. separated physically from, from their teachers, uh, from youth leaders, uh, from their friends even, due to these stay-at-home orders that we're facing. And and so they may be out of, uh, out of their regular support system, kind of cut off from those regular support systems. So what are some of those unhealthy coping methods that you think teens might be turning to during this time? Yeah, great question, Jason. Um, and this, this is a challenging time for all of us. I mean, it doesn't matter what age you are, what generation you are. There's there's a, a lot of loss in this season. Certainly much to be grateful to God for, absolutely. But but we definitely need to admit and start by acknowledging that loss. Um, and so, you know, in the midst of the loneliness and the increased anxiety young people are feeling because, uh, you know, they have constant news coming to them on their devices. Uh, I, I'm surprised how much of the time my kids hear news before me. Right, right. <laughs> they, they said, I don't know if you're the same with your your teenagers. And so, you know, teenagers are inundated by information, maybe not as good at turning that information off as some of us have learned we have to be. And so this is an anxious season. You know, generally in a more normal time, um, the estimate is that one out of three of us will develop an anxiety disorder at some point in our lifetime. Mm. 
And I can't help but think that this sort of season just turns that a, a few clicks in right. terms of the likelihood of feeling that anxiety. What, as a caring adult, as a pastor who wants to train parents and their congregation to know what to look for, if you think your young person is particularly struggling, really what, what we've learned from psychologists is, is pay attention to any abnormal swings in behavior. Um, they're sleeping more or less. Now, having said that, a lot of teenagers are sleeping more these days <laughs> because they don't have to get up from school in the same way. But, but it, in general, a lot it, it, more or less sleep, more or less eating, um, more or less isolation. Now, again, that's a that's what you quote normally look for, and we're in a season where there's a lot of isolation. But I, I think still, as an adult especially if you're living with that young person, you're a parent, step-parent, grandparent, um, you can get a sense. Are they staying connected with their friends? Are they talking about what they heard from their friends? And if not, that might be a sign. Um, so really look for anything that seems abnormal. If, if you start to have a hunch, hey, something doesn't feel quite right, pay attention to that. That's when you need to press in, act, and ask some questions. Yeah, that's good. So, so what, um, what are teens doing um, those are great indicators, but what are the, some of the things that um, that teens might be doing that are actually kind of unhealthy um, in dealing with their anxiety? Sure. Um, well, they're often turning to substances, mm -hmm. um, you know, drugs and alcohol. I, uh, my hunch is, uh, you know, we've only been in this kind of um, social isolation a few weeks, so there's not a lot of super hard data on it. My hunch is that uh, teenagers have a little bit less access to that these days right. than they used to when they were at school. Um, but they'll often turn to substances. Um, they'll turn to technology. I mean, technology, and, and I'm very pro-technology. I mean, it's how you and I are talking right now, Jason. Right. I think there's so much great about technology. But often when teenagers feel anxious, they just dive into technology um, as a way to escape. And unfortunately, that often makes them feel worse about themselves and becomes kind of a, a snowball that grows. Um, but definitely technology is another thing that they might turn to. Some students, and I have a hunch we're gonna see an increase in this. Again, I don't have data, but I think pornography is gonna be something that uh, young people are gonna be more tempted by mm. in this social isolation season because they're just on their own so much and they're just bored. And it's only a few clicks away. And so, mm -hmm. again, I have a hunch. I'm the, I haven't heard this said by anybody, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see an increase uh, during the season of uh, engagement with online porn. Right, right, yeah. So so those are some great um, indicators that you shared with us for, for us as caring adults to be looking out for and some of the, the different behaviors that, that teens and youth might turn to. Um, can you talk to us, Kara, a little bit about what happens to us in isolation? Like, like, what is it that we're that we're wrestling with when we're isolated? Yeah, yeah. Well, God's designed us to made. He's designed us to live in community. You know, we're created in God's image, and God's image is inherently communal. There's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, and I, I mean, the Scripture, of course, is replete with the ways that we love and serve one another. And don't get me wrong, there are so many ways we can still do that when we're not isolated. Mm -hmm. It's just it's just more challenging. So, you know, first I would say that a lot of what God's designed us to experience, we're used to experiencing it in face-to-face -face relationships. And so, um, 
so it's hard to kind of pivot and start experiencing that more through technology or through other channels. So, so I think that's one reason why isolation is hard. Uh, another reason is, um, you know, I, I think of a phrase from uh, beloved senior trustee at Fuller, Max Dupree. Um, the first job of leaders is to define reality. Mm. And and let me just say, I, I think community often does that for us. It defines reality for us. We might start having um, questions and thoughts, worries, fears that many of us are helped when we can talk through those with others, when we can process those with others. And when we lack that, and I'm, I'm actually hearing this, especially for people who are living alone in the midst of this isolation, when they lack that sounding board, um, their, their anxiety and their fear can increase. So those are some of the reasons that isolation is so challenging for us. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's such a, a difficulty because we're in a situation where, um, you know, there's there's almost kind of this forced isolation, which most of us yeah. don't typically, you know, in our lifetimes have, have never really experienced. And um, I don't know uh, about your kids, but I know my kids at home. It's interesting because one of the things that I've seen in our teens is, you know, when life is normal, uh, yeah, they, they get to see their friends at school. They get to hang out with their friends, but they're they're always connecting to their friends on Snapchat or whatever. You know, they're yeah. over, you know, anything, whatever it is. Yep. They take photos yep. of me sitting in my recliner, you know what I mean? And and text something to their friends for no reason whatsoever. But, but Super so they're exciting, Jason. Yes, exactly. Great picture. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Right. So this is just what they do. And so they have this ongoing kind of digital connection. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, my kids are going crazy, which I, w- I was in some ways surprised because they're so digitally connected to their friends. In my mind, I was thinking, oh, this is going to be simple for them because they Snapchat their friends every three minutes about nothing, you know, and, and they're cons- consistently connected to their friends, it seems. And yet my kids are struggling, yeah. you know, not being able to see their friends face to face. I think that's an interesting, a bit of a paradox in some ways. Can you talk to us a little bit about that face-to-face and why that's so important to teens? Yeah, and I I can actually tell a story. You know, as a faculty member at Fuller Seminary and director of the Fuller Youth Institute, I've been thinking a lot these last few weeks about um, the possibilities that this is opening for the church. And let me just flat out say I grieve over COVID-19. I have cried over it. I have prayed so much about it. Um, I would give just about anything to eradicate it. So it's a terrible, terrible thing. And and, and the loss is only going to get more real for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, I think this is inviting the church, and, and I love that this podcast is geared for church leaders, to ask some different and maybe bigger and maybe new questions about what the church can be and how we can live out um, you know, the commands of Scripture and really be salt and light, um, either in our buildings when we get those back right. or, you know, outside of our buildings. And I yes. can tell story after story of what the church is doing that's amazing to really love God and then love their neighbor as themselves. I mean, I, I think there's some there's some amazing fruit that's going to come from this season in the midst of the pain. Um, so, you know, I, I've, I've spent so many hours dreaming with other leaders about what this could mean for the church and the future of youth ministry specifically. I sat down at dinner a couple nights ago with my own teenagers and, and I said, so, you know, what do you think is going to be different about church and youth group once we go back? Because my kids are doing everything online with youth group um, these days. And, and they looked at me and they all said, 
like, well, I think it's going to pretty much go back to normal. Like we, and, and they said, we really want to be with our friends. We want to be with them. Right. Now, I, th- I think I think my kids are maybe on one end of the continuum there. Um, but, it, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if out of this season we realize, you know what? There's there are some elements of what it means to bo- be the body of Christ that absolutely are experienced better. And we prefer when we're when we're sitting shoulder to shoulder and looking at each other eye to eye with no screens in between us. But you know what? There might be other areas of uh, what it means to be the church that maybe we can um, experiment with and and do virtually and might even bring about greater fruit and new opportunities. Mm-hmm. So so I think I, I, I think you know one of my prayers these days for the church has been that we would hold on to what's most important, hold tightly to what's most important and hold more loosely to what's not as important. And I think we're going to end up out of this season with maybe a different sense of what's important and what we need to cling tightly to. Yeah, that's good. I, I agree wholeheartedly. And having a lot of those same conversations with our teams and then with mystery leaders across the country. When we're, when we're looking at teens, um, one of the things you know that, that we're seeing, and even just in the conversation you had with, with your own children, this idea of what does youth ministry kind of look like right now? And, and and we see a lot of youth leaders are, you know, holding virtual youth group meetings yeah. or, or checking in with teens individually, see how they're doing. Um, Kara, can, can, what advice would you give to, to youth leaders who are trying to keep these connections, trying to check in? Are there certain words, certain phrases you'd recommend that they, they use or anything they should avoid saying during this time? Yeah, great question. Well, first, the, the most important thing is that adults stay in touch with young people. And the good news when it comes to youth ministry is just about every teenager I know and have heard of um, is now less busy than they were before <laughs> this. Right. So, you know, a lot of pastors and a lot of us um, in the ministry world or in the business professional world, we might feel more busy, but teenagers are less busy. So this is actually a wonderful time to reach out by text, by video, um, maybe even by phone call, believe it or not, and actually, you know, talk to a young person. Um, and, and and I'll say, and, and maybe Jason, in this conversation, we can get to, uh, we have a five-step response that we encourage adults to take when, when they think a young person is dealing with anxiety, here are the first five steps that, that you want to walk through with a young person. But that first, the first step is to ask the young person on a scale of one to 10, how anxious are you feeling? Um, and, and I love that question. We learned it from one of the therapists we interviewed during the course of our Faith in an Anxious World uh, resource development. And, and it lets a young person weigh in on how they're doing in a, in a pretty tangible way that doesn't require a ton of self-reflection, which is sometimes challenging for concrete-thinking teenagers. And so you know, I would recommend, especially for adults who are concerned about the mental health of young people in the season, that's a question that you can ask. Hey, scale of one to ten, and, and you know, maybe surround it with a couple other questions. Scale of one to ten, how much fun are you having these days? Ten being a ton of fun, one being very <laughs> little. Scale of one to ten, um, you know, how busy do you feel these days? Ten to etc. I mean, make it make it one of a handful of, of questions, but ask them how stressed are you on a scale of one to ten. If if they're at one to three, that's no big deal. If they're at four to five, um, they can probably handle that. Uh, you know, that's handleable with a little bit of support from you and, and others. If they're at six or above, that's when you want to kind of ratchet up your response um, and make sure that you take clear, proactive steps, 
maybe talk to parents, um, perhaps encourage the young person to see a therapist. And so, uh, again, since we're, we're focusing here on the mental health of young people um, in this season of isolation, uh, that's a question that I want adults to ask kids. That's excellent. And and I'd love to get into the, the other four steps. But Great. before we do, um, on this first one, um, I want to ask, what if you have a student that you know already suffers from anxiety, right? Yeah. That's already a struggle for them. How do you approach that or do you approach that differently if you know they're already struggling with that and trying to, to, to learn where they are, you know, in the midst of, of this crisis? Yeah, I don't think it's all that different because you're really, I mean, asking a young person on a scale of one to 10, how are you doing? Um, but you might want to frame that as, you know, I know this has been a challenge for you before. I know mm. that you've had your ups and downs with stress. Um, and so I'm just wondering, on a scale of 1 to 10, how are you doing? So you, know, you might have a slightly gentler or um, more knowing on-ramp into the question. Yeah. But I think that's still a question that you want to ask. In fact, Jason, it's all the more important that you ask that question. Um, you know, we I, I haven't said the word suicide yet, mm-hmm. but I've just got to say as an adult who cares about kids, um, you, you know, I, I yesterday I heard more about the suicide of young people, um, and had more questions about it than literally any other day in my life yesterday. Mm. Um, and, 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 and it, it prompted me and as I was tucking in each of our kids, I went and talked with them and, and I asked them, you know, Hey, how are you doing? Because I just want you to know that you can talk to me about anything. And so, um, so if, if you know of anybody who has any kind of history with depression or suicidal ideation, um, this isolation is so likely to increase those feelings and those tendencies that that makes it all the more important to stay in touch. That's good, Kara. That And that's a, a great reminder. And, and I know that, um, you know, th- this is a, a struggle that we see more and more with our young people. I mean, just yeah. here locally, here in Colorado Springs, we had um, two cadets that, or last week, they believe, I mean, they you know, it was suicide in, in how they, how they died. And, and it's just this time of isolation just seems to magnify, um, a lot of those feelings and struggles. So I thank you for, for, you know, bringing that up and making sure that we're being cognizant of that as well. Um, what, go ahead. And let me just say that I think sometimes we adults have this fear that if we bring up suicide, um, then somehow it's going to plant that thought in their head and they're going to somehow be more likely to, um, to have that tendency. And, and let me just say, every therapist that I've talked to has said, oh, that's not the case. I mean, for one thing, young people today are kind of swimming in a stew that talks about mental health. I mean, I, I, we have a college freshman and a, a high school junior so uh, until this social isolation, I felt like college tours were kind of my part-time job. Like <laughs> I, I'm kind of a pro at doing college tours with what I'm with my kids. Um, and, you know, every college is talking about the mental health resources that they're offering. Every middle school and high school is trying to beef up what they offer. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't want the church to be the one place. Um, that young people aren't talking about their mental health, or we don't want family to be the one place right. that young people aren't talking about their mental health. And so, you know, for pastors listening here, I would encourage you to to train your team and their volunteers in how to talk about anxiety, depression, stress, and then also encourage parents to talk to their kids about this, even in this season. Like, you know, I, I want I want every parent 
to, in whatever way feels naturally to them, do what Dave and I did last night and, and t- actually talk with your kid about what you're hearing about suicide, just so that it becomes more discussable. And then, and you can ask them how they're doing. You can, you know, understand their response, see their response in real time and, and get a, a tangible sense of how they're feeling these days. So, so don't believe the lie that we shouldn't talk about it because um, that's only going to plant the thought in their head. I mean, the state of California, it's now a mandated law that every middle school and high schooler on the back of their school ID card has the, a national suicide prevention hotline. Um, and, and so it's literally on their school ID. And I'm, I'm glad that California's done that. I hope other states follow suit. But that's how prevalent it is in our world. Let's make it as prevalent in terms of talking about it at home and at church. Yeah, it's so good, Kara. Thank you for that. Um, okay, so let's go back to the, because uh, I think this all plays in together. Let's go back to those five yeah. steps. So yeah. the, the first was asking that question on a scale of one to 10, how anxious are you feeling right now? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And, and let me just say, Jason, these five steps came from us surveying what we heard from all sorts of therapists and theologians and pastors who have particular expertise in this area. We took everything that they said and we distilled it into five steps that spell out A, B, C, D, E. Um, and, you know, I kind of, as I was working on it, I realized, oh my goodness, this is basically A, B, C, D, E. So hopefully it doesn't feel too forced, but hopefully that makes it more memorable. So first is ask that question on scale one to 10. Second, the B is to help and encourage your young person to breathe deeply. That's the B, breathe. Um, it, you know, my whole life, I've heard the importance of breathing deeply when I feel upset, and I've never understood why <laughs> until I spent time with therapists. But when we start to panic, our heart beats faster. That's God's automatic gas pedal, gas pedal that accelerates oxygen to all of our extremities. And so, but that creates a sense of panic in our bodies. We can counter that by really, I think, God's brake pedal that God's given us, where as we breathe more deeply, our heart gets more oxygen. It doesn't have to work as hard. My brain gets the message that we're out of danger. It's it's really your body's simple and powerful response to help you calm down. So so breathing, breathing with a young person who's feeling upset, uh, that can help recalibrate them both physically and emotionally. That's good. So ask and then breathe. Yeah. So, so what's C? C is center on a helpful truth or phrase, um, likely from scripture or from a worship song. But um, you know, what is a what is a truth that is meaningful to this young person that can be somewhat of a theological mantra? I wouldn't use that language with a teenager, but that's how <laughs> I think of it. You know, it's it's kind of a handy phrase that they can go to when they're feeling upset. Um, in our family, our our kids' whole life, we've talked about God being the Emmanuel. The God who's with us. Mm. And so that, you know, if our kids are ever frustrated or upset or, you know, the feelings they're feeling, we often in, introduce in the conversation, hey, Emmanuel, um, we're sending them, used to be out the door. If they were going to something that was tough, we'd say, hey, I'm praying Emmanuel for you. I would text Emmanuel to them. I mean, they, they know what Emmanuel means in general and what we hope it means to them. Uh, another one of our kids, um, when they feel anxious, they like to think about different worship songs, and that calms them down, just the different lyrics that are particularly meaningful to them. So um, so as a, as a pastor training others in your church, willing to empower parents, help those adults center on a helpful truth, phrase, scriptural, scriptural idea that can be meaningful. That's excellent. Excellent. So center on a helpful, meaningful truth or phrase. So what's yep. D? 
D, develop a team. Develop a team. Nice. Ask, breathe, center, develop a team. Um, you know, help your young person think about who else can they talk to about this. Um, you know, if they think they're going to be anxious in online math class, because math was hard enough when you were in person <laughs> with a teacher. Right. And now, you know, you're either watching them on a screen or you're watching a video. Um, ask them, well, who's another friend if you're feeling anxious that you can reach out to during that class? Um, you know, if it, when students can actually leave their homes again. Um, if you know that they're anxious about certain things at church or certain things at soccer or in drama, whatever it might be, ask them, well, who's an adult or who's a friend that you can talk to at those times? Um, and again, this is where you, you might want to integrate the help of a professional therapist. Uh, I say to youth leaders all the time, if you think you're over your head when it comes to young people's mental health, you probably are. Um, and you might even be over your head and not realize it. Mm. And so... It might you might need to have a professional therapist be part of that team. If you don't know how to find a professional therapist that that will work for a family, call a church, um, call school. Some of them are still answering the phones periodically. Other churches um, and schools nearby might have resources that you can use to refer families to. So develop a team. That's good. That's good. So after developing a team, what's E? We're on to E, and that is uh, it, empathize and empower. It's actually two E's. Empathize <laughs> and empower your young person. Um, you know, we hear a lot about empathy. And Jason, as I do more and more research, I think empathy is the key to not just good response to mental health, but good leadership, good ministry, good marriage, good parenting, good relationships. Really all start with empathy. Um, but an empathy that helps a young person take a step forward when they're ready to. So Lisa Damore is a psychologist who's done a lot of great work on adolescent anxiety, and she has a wonderful phrase. It's two parts. And boy, every every parent, every mentor, this is something to put in your back pocket. Here's the phrase. Um, that thinks, that stinks, but I think you can handle it. Hmm. Um, that stinks, but I think you can handle it. So that stinks. And again, you know, adjust the wording to fit the situation and you, but Boy, that's really tough. Oh, that sounds ha sounds hard. Man, I would be so bummed if prom was canceled also. You know, really let them know that you are sitting right there with them. You're sitting on the curb of their life and you're understanding what they're going to. But don't just leave them there. Then there's the second half of the phrase. I think you can handle it. Um, boy, that's really tough. How do you think you can get through this time? What's your plan? What's your plan for, for, for moving forward, even though it feels a little bit... Um, hopeless right now. Uh, boy, that's really tough. What can I do to help you move forward might be another question that you can ask. So that, that empowering empathy first really feels with the young person, but then encourages them, empowers them, um, walks alongside them as they take a next step or two. That is golden right there, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. I know. I, know. I, I wish I had heard that several years ago, but at least I can apply it now in my parenting. So. Exactly, exactly. Awesome, Kara. So uh, talk to me a little bit about, um, so this youth curriculum, Faith in an Anxious World, um, within that, you uh, share some different healthy coping um, methods that that youth can use as they're, as they're wrestling through anxiety. And even this idea of breathing, the B that we just talked about, I know that's that's one that you talk about, um, you know, breathing exercises. 
yeah. but but there's some others. Can you kind of walk through some of those some of those different exercises or or coping mechanisms that are yeah. helpful for teens? Sure. I'll talk about a couple that we integrated into all four of the lessons because we felt like they're so important. Um, one is doing an exercise or a prayer of examine, um, looking over your day, looking over your week and asking prayerfully, when did I really sense God's presence? When did I feel God's peace, joy, and hope? Um, and then in, conversely, when did I not feel as close to God? When did I struggle with uh, anxiety, fear, um, worry, whatever it might be, and letting students really process those emotions and also learn from those emotions so that they can uh, make better choices and put themselves in better situations in, fo- in the following days. Uh, and let me just say, you know, when it comes to this COVID-19 isolation that we're in, um, it, it really is important to let young people feel the loss and acknowledge the loss. I'm seeing a lot of psychologists saying to parents and to leaders, hey, don't don't just try to cheer your kids up. Um, listen to them about what, what, what they're sad about. Uh, I love what my colleague Brad Griffin did with his family. Um, we wrote a blog post about it for the Fuller Youth Institute. They have an ongoing list going in their kitchen during this COVID season of losses and gratitudes. Um, so, you know, what are some of the things that we're really disappointed about that we don't get to do? And then what are the, what are the ways that we can be grateful for how we're seeing God at work and how God's providing the season? And I think it's important to focus on both. And the prayer of examine actually lets, lets young people do that. And then I would say the second really important practice, um, has to do with living in community, being in community. And so in every lesson, um, we encourage young people to talk with another adult, uh, about what they've learned. And we invite parents to try to help that carve that time in a young person's schedule. Um, who's an adult you can talk to about, you know, what you're feeling, what you're thinking, even what you learned this week at church. Who's that caring aunt, that neighbor, um, maybe a grandparent, somebody from church, a coach, a teacher that you can reach out to for 20 minutes and, and talk with. So, so I would say two things that are themes that we throw out, um, curriculum is reflecting on how you're doing, being honest about the pain, as well as some of the joys in your life. And the prayer of examine helps that with that. And then also the importance of community. Excellent. Excellent. Those are, those are, those are great care. Um, how can people learn more about faith in an anxious world? Yeah. Great question. Glad you asked. <laughs> um, you can go to fullyyouthinstitute.org. And we have, first off, a bunch of COVID resources for youth leaders um, up and, and available. But then we also, if you do fullyfinstitute.org slash anxious world, um, that'll take you directly to our anxiety resources where we have the curriculum. We also have parent podcasts. Our goal was that the youth ministry and the parents would be learning and processing the same things on the same weeks. So in addition to the four curriculum lessons, we have four parent podcasts with topics that complement what your young person is learning. So really church and family can get on the same page and can reinforce each other. Oh, that's excellent, Kara. Man, thank you. Thank you for you and your team and all the work that they've put into this. And it's so timely, uh, so incredibly timely. Um, the research that you guys have put into it and all the people you've talked to as you've pulled these these resources together. And I highly encourage uh, those who are listening in and ministry to, to check out this resource. It's something that you can 
use very, very easily right now, um, even ministering from a distance. Um, you can you can use these lessons and, of course, those podcasts for parents um, to get those to the parents as well. So fantastic resource. And we'll have links to all of this in our show notes for those who are listening in um, so you can get there very, very quickly. Uh, Kara, any any final words before we uh, before we say goodbye to the pastors and ministry leaders who are listening in? Sure. Thank you for giving me that chance to share one last thing. Um, because this podcast is listened to by so many pastors, I, I just have to say that um, I recently was in the city of Palo Alto in the Bay Area, and Palo Alto is in the shadow of Stanford University. There's a fair amount of anxiety and stress in that community on young people. They actually were a few years ago, a cover story for the Atlantic magazine um, in terms of the stress of young people in that Palo Alto Menlo Park area. And and there have been um, a, a rash of teen suicides over the last years, just heartbreaking. And so the city has decided to pay a security guard to try to prevent suicides because a lot of the suicides were happening uh, as young people would step in front of the train that runs through the city. Mm. And so the city of Palo Alto is paying a security guard to stand on the tracks and prevent young people from stepping in front of the train. And I will say, I'm glad that that adult is there and the city has made that decision and the church needs to be standing next to those tracks. Mm. Um, Not necessarily literally, but metaphorically and, and helping young people and not just next to those tracks, but the church needs to be a quarter mile back saying, Hey, what do young people need? How do we empathize with young people? And how do we love and serve them and empower them? And then a quarter mile before that. In other words, you know, the, the church has the ultimate hope for young people. Um, we have the ultimate best answers. Scripture has the best answers to the questions that plague young people. It's up to us to creatively connect those questions or those answers with young people's questions. And actually in this COVID season, we're seeing churches do that. So um, so that's what I would want to say to pastors. Yeah, so good. Kara, it's always good to have you with us on the podcast. Thank you for your heart for young people and your heart for the church, and your heart for the Lord. And uh, we just uh, pray blessings on you and your family and your ministry during these challenging times. Well, thanks so much, Jason. Always a pleasure to be with you and your team also. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us on this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. So we hope you're finding value from the Church Leaders Podcast. And if so, we'd certainly appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcasts so they too can benefit from these interviews. Again, we thank you in advance, and if you have any comments, any questions, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email to podcast at churchleaders.com, or you can connect with me on Twitter. Finally, you can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the FaithPlay app. It's available for both Apple and Android, and so we encourage you to check that out as well. So until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well, and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.